Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, find us on the web at revivallifechurch.org. Now welcome, Pastor Carl You all right? You all right? My name's Carl. Hello. Yeah. Hi. How you doing? Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. No, no, no. Thank you. No, no, no. I'm joking. Hallelujah. Uh, I'm going to receive an offering in a moment, so if you're going to uh, fill out a check, uh, fill it out to, um, you did that already? I, I'm, I'm getting, I'm ready to just lay down. I'm going to be honest with you right now. How many of you, this is your first time joining us at Revival Life Church? Can we get a wave of the hand? Amen. Wait, welcome him. Welcome, welcome, welcome. There's more. That's all right. Good to see you. In the back. Hello. 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 I am feeling good. So um, our, uh, we, we, I'm stuttering now. We, um, ah, ah, who feels the presence of God in here? It's good, right? Just, just, just let them wash over you, man. I'm telling you, it's, it's, carrying the presence is hard work. It shouldn't be. And so we get tired and you need a fresh, a fresh filling, right? If you, if you serve in another church, you get to just rest. You don't go to church, you get to fake it, right? And just introduce yourself, introduce yourself as bishop, something or another. Nobody's gonna know the difference. And they'll feel really honored to pray for you since you're a bishop, you know, just right? Tell them I have a, I have a string of churches in uh, Zimbabwe and I'm just really worn down. Oh, let me just let me just pour into you this weekend, right? Just get what you can get. That's what I tell you. That's that's what I think. Uh we're receiving an offering. Um I, I don't do this well um, because uh, I don't I don't do I don't do announcements well, but we have uh, Joshua Muse and his wife Olivia and um, I never know what last name to use, uh, but there's a long story behind that. Um, they are good friends of this house primarily. That's our primary relationship with them. Uh, we went to go visit them. Here's what's funny. I um, who, how many people know who John Arnett is? Yeah, John Arnett. Yeah. So John Arnett was telling me you need to you need to connect with Joshua, and I was like. Okay, whatever. Because John wants to connect everybody with everybody, right? So you can't really take as you need to as like, like you know, he likes connecting people. And so Dan Slade, who's the director of our network, would say, hey, Carl, you have to connect. You have to connect. You have to connect. And we just never did uh, because I'm slow to learn, right? And, um, and finally, after uh, two years, I met him, and he was giving testimonies of what was happening in his ministry. And I didn't believe him. I just, I just didn't believe it. It just like it sounded like that evangelistic exaggeration. You, anybody know what I'm talking about? Like evangelists are related to fishermen, right? Had to be at least this big. They don't, they don't come in that size. It was a miracle. I know. It's, it's just amazing. But you, you, you see these amazing revivalists on YouTube. You know the worldwide revivalists that lead one person to the Lord and. It's like, you know, the, 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 the Boynton revival, you know, and one guy feels a little better from a headache, you know. Is that just me who sees that? I shouldn't say that, should I? Okay, I got to stop that. And so there's, there gets to be some evangelistic exaggeration. And so there's some revivalist eva- exaggeration. So I was hearing about all the churches that had been planted and the miracles and the signs and the wonders and, and the network of churches in the Middle East and through Africa and through Mexico. And I just didn't really believe it. I just didn't really believe it. I just didn't believe it, right? But I believe the people who were telling me but I didn't really believe it, right? Like, I believed that they believed it. 
but I didn't believe it, right? And so I said, well, I'm going to go to Mexico myself, and I just got to go see because I don't, I don't know. So I said to them, hey, I want to I bring a team down, but I got to see. I got to really see what's happening, right? And so uh, some, a friend went with me to um, Reynosa, Mexico, where, there is, um, where they were having the, the cartel war, and uh, it's just awful there. I mean, it's just awful. And, um, and we had a church service. Like, is, they, they, have, um, they have brothels there in that part of Mexico, but it's not like a room. And it's not like a, a saloon, you know, like the Wild West. It's like there's city blocks that are walled off that are owned by the cartel that the police let have happen. And in this, there's strings of motels where women are trafficked and, and prostituted. And it's, it's just disgusting. It's just a disgusting part of the world. And they had such favor, they were having church services in the walled-off cartel's brothel. I'm just like, and I didn't believe it, except I was in it. I didn't believe it while I was in it. It didn't make any sense. And then we went to the, um, the prison, and this is, this is a, just a really, really cool story. Um, he tells me this story. He says, you know, we wanted to get in the prison, but we couldn't figure out how. And uh, someone called me up and said, hey, um, can you use a truckload of toys? He's like, sure. Like, he figures if God brings it, there must be a need for it, right? And so he receives a truckload of toys. And I'm going to butcher this story, but it'll mostly be correct, right? And so he gets a call from the prison that says, hey, on Mother's Day, we want to be able to have the women in the prison be able to give something to the family that comes to visit. Can you help us with that? He's like, how about toys? And they're like, yeah, that'd be great. Can you get that? He's like, yeah, I can arrange that. I can arrange toys. And so like within weeks, right, it was like within days almost what I remember. And so they got this favor with the jail. And so they have a church service in the prison. And so like we're like wandering around the prison and we have a fire tunnel in the women's jail in Reynosa and the guards are going through it. The guards are going through it. And I'm pinned to the ground in a jail in a women's prison in Mexico. Now I'm 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 pinned to the ground. And I and I tell um I, it's funny because I posted on um, Facebook that night. I was like Man, you don't experience God until you're pinned to the ground in a jail in Mexico. And I got like some Baptist friends like, we're praying for you, brother. Like, no, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. It was, it was the Holy Spirit, actually. It, was, it wasn't a riot. It was, Jesus was on me. And uh, it was amazing. And, uh, um, and, so, and so we partner. We bring teams down to Mexico. Um, we didn't do it this summer. We did the last two summers. We repent. Forgive us. Um, and uh, so we're going to receive an offering. Uh, we're going to we're just we want to have them. And so if you want to sow in, you can do that. Uh, and if you don't have money, don't feel guilty. Right. Because we, we already picked up the tab. Uh, but uh, if you make a checks out to Revival Life Church, if you need an offering envelope, uh, the ushers will uh, provide you with one. And um, yeah, this weekend, just I just want you to just really receive. I want you to just allow God to pour into you and do something significant. Ushers, we got some folks up in the front. We don't want to miss anybody. Right. We don't want to miss anybody. I should have a scripture for the offering. Give and it shall be given unto you. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Amen? It's in the, somewhere in the back. But Father, we ask that you would uh, sanctify this offering. That you would bless it, bless it, bless it, bless it, bless it. Multiply it. Do good things with it. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen, amen. Ushers, if you would pass the bucket and... Uh, I don't do this a lot. So, uh, Joshua and Olivia, you both want to come up? You just want to come up, Joshua? What do you want to do? Come on, here. Amen.
Okay, sounds good. Yeah, receive him if you would, please. Well, Honor him real good. <laughs> Whoa. Ah. Hey. Ah. <laughs> Whoa. Hallelujah. Hootie hoo for Jesus. That's ah. it. Come on. <laughs> this is really just for me to lean on up here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Ah, come on. Wow. Come Holy Spirit. Wow, well, my, my wife will share a little bit more on Sunday, but uh, she just, you know, say anything? No? Okay, she'll share more on Sunday. So I'm the more talkative one in our relationship, as you might have guessed. So it's so good to finally be here with you guys and get to see Revival Live Church. We've had you guys multiple times down in Mexico, had amazing, wonderful services. You know, sometimes we have teams come from America, and our, our services in Mexico are very, very fiery usually. And they're long sometimes, and we're like, oh, you know, sometimes, you know, the uh, people coming from America, they, they get tired or they're, like, shocked. We've had people come in and be just absolutely stunned by what's happening. You guys came, and it was just immediately, we were like, oh, yeah, this is fun. These people are exactly family. We're the same. They're as crazy as we are. Maybe crazier. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe we're in a little bit of a race <laughs> to see. But, oh, wow. Man, the presence of God is so wonderful in this place. Let's just take one more minute and just, just lift up your hands and let's just welcome him again. If you pray in tongues, just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Eto baruchet Adonai shachrabose karamaset acharamareyanamae. Yeah, come Holy Spirit, God. Rasere machaye rondere naramase, Señor. Derrama tu fuego sobre nosotros, Señor. Rondere maramahe. Hey, we release your river in this place right now. We release the river of Holy Spirit. Just begin to worship him even more. Hey, and begin to step into that river. But I must say, release your river, God. Oh, release your river, God. Oh, I must see, and I must say, no, I must see, no, I must hear, and I must hear. Yeah, just lift up, begin to sing in tongues. Hey, come, Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, God is healing people right now. If you need healing in your body right now, God is bringing healing into bodies right now. 
There's someone here with a pain in the base of their spine, and God is healing that right now. It's like a chronic pain in the base of your spine, and God is healing you right now. If that's you, just receive your healing right now. Or if you want to, by faith, just stand up. God is healing you right now. Someone here with problems in their hips, God is healing that right now. We release that healing right now. Fire of the Holy Spirit, Lord, release your river right now. Right now, where there's pain in hips, we release healing over hips right now. In the name of Jesus. Right now, if you need a healing in your body, just by faith, just stand up if you need a healing in your body. Just right where you're at. Right now, the river of God is here in this place. Hey, if you need healing in your body, just right now, just lift up your hands and receive. And if those of you around them, I want you just to lay hands on some of them right now. If those, those that are standing, just lay hands on them and begin to release healing. In the name of Jesus. We release the healing right now. Fire of the Holy Spirit. Fire of the Holy Spirit. Father, in the name of Jesus, we speak for tumors to dissolve right now. Tumors are disappearing right now in Jesus' name. Remove tumors out of people's bodies. Growths, cysts, and tumors are being removed right now. Hey, in the name of Jesus, we release that fire of Holy Spirit over them right now. In the name of Jesus, release it right now. Holy fire of God, come. In the name of Jesus, we release that healing right now. Someone here with a popping jaw, the Lord is healing you right now. Someone with a popping jaw, just receive that healing right now. Begin to test the part of your body where there was pain or where there was a problem. If you had a popping jaw, just begin to test it. Begin to test it out. Begin to move it. Begin to do something you couldn't do before without an issue or without popping or without pain. Begin to test your body. Test your body where you had pain before. Hey, just begin to check it, check it out. Test it out. Ha, come on. Begin to move. Begin to test it out. If you're praying for someone, ask them right now. And ask them to test out their body. Ask them to test out their body. This is one of these, this is not something where oftentimes in some churches you go and you have the pastor or the, just the certain people pray for the sick. This is not how it's going to be here tonight. This house and this house and really in the movement, we believe so much in the body ministry. So God is raising up ministers within the body of Christ. Every one of you are ministers of the gospel. Every one of you are ministers of the power of the Holy Spirit. So lay hands on somebody, and I want you right now, just ask them, test your, test your body out. Begin to test the part of your body out where there was pain. Has anyone, has your pain completely left, or has it significantly diminished? How many of you significantly, yeah, completely left? Praise God. Or significantly diminished. How many of you significantly diminished? Good. Praise God. Multiple ones. All right. Now I want us to pray one more time. How many of you still have maybe 50% or more of your pain? Would you raise your hand? Yeah, if you still have 50% or more of your pain. All right, we're going to go after that tonight. So those of you around them, lay hands on them again. Right now, in Jesus' name, we release the healing. In the name of Jesus, we release that healing right now. Fire of the Holy Spirit, come. 
Release the fire of your Holy Spirit, God. <laughs> we release that healing right now. Release that healing right now. Say it with me. I receive my healing now. In Jesus' name. I receive my healing completely. The complete healing right now. In Jesus' name. Fire on her, God. Más fuego en el nombre de Cristo. Derrama tu fuego, Señor, en el nombre de Cristo. Derrama tu fuego, mi Dios. Zorro boche. Fire on him, God. Fire on him, God. In the name of Jesus. Fire on her, God. In the name of Jesus. Yeah. Come on. Now test out your body. Test out the part of your body. Those of you who have been received a healing already, I want you just to come. If God healed you or you're significantly better, come to the front. Those of you who raised your hand, just will take a few testimonies. If you've been healed or you know your pain is gone, what happened? Uh, it kind of felt like, I want to say lava. I have shin splints. Yes. Okay. Yes. Like lava. Before yeah. or after? All right. <laughs> and on my way here, it was really hurting. Like I can't, I couldn't walk without pain, and now like I can jump. Come on. <laughs> how, how long have you had that problem? A, about a month. About a month, and now there's no pain. Yeah, now it's good. Nothing. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. More fire on her God. Lay. We want to bless you. Let's bless her. Fire on her God. Fire, holy. <laughs> Wow, come on. Who else? What, what happened? Come on up. If you received a healing right now, come on up. Woo, come on, So Jesus. I have a backache for a long time from a car accident in the 90s. And uh, whenever I stand for a long time, I get numbness. And Say hi to Lionel, everybody. Say hi to Lionel. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, a couple guys prayed for me. Jeanette prayed for me, too. And uh, when I stood up, it was gone. So it's gone. <laughs> come on, and it was at the bottom part of your back? Right there. Yep, that's what I saw. The Lord, the Lord healed her. That was you. And the Lord is saying to you tonight that the Lord is reactivating some dreams and some things that have been on your heart for a lot of years. And that He did this tonight for you because He wants just for you to know how much He cares for you. And I just feel like the Lord is just releasing a new season over your life. And I just want to lay hands on you and pray for you, okay? Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless a new season in this man's life, in Jesus' name. And I just declare that the old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become and is becoming new. In Jesus' name, and where there's been like a desire to serve God in greater ways in the past, and it's been like thwarted, and the enemy has tried to put blocks in front of you constantly to stop you from being able to step into your full destiny. Right now, I just feel like the Lord is taking a bulldozer to many of those problems and many of those issues that stood in the past, and I just release the fire of the Holy Spirit over you right now. Fire release. In the name of Jesus, we bless this man in Jesus' name. Holy Sharabasa. Whoa, come on. Rabasa. Hey. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. Come, Holy Spirit. Wow. Anyone else receive something from the Lord? Any kind of. Whoo. Yeah, some, there's going to be more healings that are going to happen as it goes. Yeah. What happened? I had a, a not. Andre. Andre's everybody. Woo! 
Andres. Andres, everybody. Pastor, everyone. Woohoo! Come on. Tell them what happened. I had a, a knot in my back, um, like in the middle, back, middle area. Um, and it was hurting me all day. And literally, the second time you said to stand up, um, because the first time I, I didn't get up, um, the second time immediately, it just went away. It was just gone. And, and then I just felt the fire, like as people were praying for me, I just felt the fire. Um, but I, I think I had a herniated disc because it's been about two years that I've had pain. It just comes and goes, comes and goes, and I just feel that it's gone. Praise God. Go ahead. Yeah, let's bless him. I need some up here. We bless him in the name of Jesus. Release your fire over him, God, in Jesus' name. Release the fire of the Holy Spirit. El nombre de Cristo derrama tu fuego, Señor. En el nombre de Jesús. And pour out your fire on him, God. In the name of Jesus. Pour out, pour out, pour out. Hey, in the name of Jesus. Pour out. Fill, fill, fill with your fire, God. In the name of Jesus. Fill, 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 God. Rey marese. <laughs> wow, isn't this fun? Isn't this fun what we get to do? Boy, this front row, man, these guys are, this is this, this is the place to stand right up here. <laughs> just drink deep of his presence right now. Holy, just drink deep of that presence of God. Mm. Oh, we welcome you, Holy Spirit, and we drink deep of your presence. Hey. We drink deep of your presence and we honor you, God, for what you are just beginning to do to greater and greater levels in this place. In Jesus' name. Greater and greater levels in this place. In Jesus' name. Ha! In the basa. Wow. <laughs> well, I just came back from, um, we, we visited all the different works in, other, in some of the countries where we were working. And just seeing amazing, amazing testimonies. And okay, well then, never mind. I'll, I'll change a few stories I was going to tell. <laughs> but uh, maybe at some point on Sunday or something, we'll take a little time and just turn off the recorders and stuff. And but anyway, um, so I just came came back, and we're just seeing God doing incredible things in the nations. And you know, I, we travel all over the place. I've been in many nations. We have uh, works now in like 12 different countries. And so people are always asking me, oh, what's, you know, most of the places where we go are rather um, uh, challenging places at times that appear on CNN and, and uh, Fox News and things on a regular basis. And so we're going into some of these places. And actually, we live, we live in a place somewhat like that. And so in living in those places and in traveling into those, pla those sort of places, um, people always ask, oh, you know, it must be terrible living there. And it, I, want to tell, I want to tell you the honest truth. It is absolutely amazing what we get to see God doing in those places. We live in uh, nor the northern part of, of uh, Mexico in a town called Reynosa. And this town, uh, it used to be a very peaceful s town many years ago. But uh, there, when the drug wars hit in a very bad way, it just wiped out this, the economy of the town. It wiped out everything. And then that just created a horrible pattern where people began to be drawn back into gangs and, and, and everything like that. Because when the economy goes down, then the, at that point, gangs and criminality becomes the only possibility for young people. And so we, we moved into that town. God called us there. And we love our city so much. 
happy. And we're seeing God begin to transform our city in incredible ways. It, Reynosa was known as one of the most violent cities in all of Mexico. It was you know, known for kidnappings and violence and things like that. And now it's gaining a new reputation. Because all throughout the nation, people are hearing about revival that's happening in Reynosa. And I want to share some of the fruit of what's happening out of that revival and what God is doing. I want to share some of the stories tonight of how revival, revival oftentimes happens in places that are very unexpected. Oftentimes we think that revival is going to break forth in, in huge, beautiful places, but really revival, we've seen the greatest revivals are happening in obscure places that almost no one knows about. And in those places, we see great moves of God. And in our city, we're seeing incredible, an incredible move of the Holy Spirit. We're seeing so many gang leaders coming to Christ. We're seeing so many prostitutes coming to Jesus. We're seeing people that were once trapped in all kinds of addiction now coming to Christ and following Him with all of their hearts. But I'm going to share with you tonight the secret of why that's happening. And it is, a, it is the fire of the Holy Spirit. It is the fire of the Holy Spirit that is causing everything to happen. It is the fire of the Holy Spirit that will transform not only our nation of Mexico, but will transform this nation of the United States. Because we believe that out of this, we're out of the revival that God is birthing now. We're seeing now amazing move of God in the United States. We just planted a church in McAllen, Texas. And in, in October, we're launching a new church in DFW. And it's almost entirely with Latinos. We launched a church in El Paso a year ago, El Paso, Texas. And we're seeing the exact same miracles we saw, we see in Mexico in the United States churches as well. And we're beginning to see an incredible, incredible move of the Holy Spirit there. I want to share with you guys a verse I believe the Lord gave me for you guys tonight. I came from a very, we come from a very hot place as well. So the heat doesn't bother us, but I do sweat quite a bit. All right. Thank you. Book of Exodus. Book of Exodus chapter 3. Chapter 3 verse 1. It says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. Hey, the priest of Midian. And he had, led, he had led the flock to the backside of the desert. Hey, and he came to Horab, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go and I will see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord had seen that Moses had gone over to look, God called to him from within the fire and within the bush. And he said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said unto him, here I am. And then God said to Moses, do not come any closer, but take off your sandals because the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the Lord your God. I am the God of your father Abraham. I am the God of Isaac and I am the God of Jacob. And at this moment, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look upon God. So Moses was there, and Moses was a man. It was, he was a very interesting character because he was born as a slave, but he was raised as a prince in, pagan, in a pagan Egyptian culture. We want to talk about culture wars. The Egyptian culture was one of the most pagan, godless cultures you can imagine. And here was Moses. He was born in, as a Hebrew slave. He was born to a family that was God-fearing, that knew God, that were slaves, but they knew the one God, of, the true God of Israel. But he was raised by pagan royalty. You want to talk about having some issues to overcome. So Moses was there in that place. His own mother had put him in a basket in the river because the very person that he ended up living with was the one who was trying to kill him. 
ended up living in the courts of Egypt, raised as a prince, learning the language of Egypt, learning the religion of Egypt, indoctrinated into the religion of Egypt. And then at some point, Moses began to understand his identity, obviously, that he was not truly of Egypt. And he, was no, he obviously was not completely comfortable in Egypt, and he recognized that his true identity was with his own people, but he didn't know quite how to make that happen. And so in, and he had the destiny on his life to be a deliverer, to be a liberator, but he didn't know how to make it happen. He didn't know how to do it. In his own, he, and so he tried to do it in his own power. He became a murderer, killed someone, killed an Egyptian that was trying to, that was beating one of the Hebrew slaves. And because of that, then Moses became a refugee. Moses fled into the desert and he became a shepherd. Now, it's a very interesting thing when you look at Moses' life because he was constant, it was a constant stream of ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs, starting out at the bottom, becoming a prince, losing all of that to become a shepherd. And then he became a shepherd in the very backside of the desert. What's worse than living in the desert? The backside of the desert. Moses was in the worst possible place, the most least likely place imaginable for him to have and encounter his calling from God. So there was Moses in the backside of the desert tending sheep. Can you imagine that? Raised in a palace and then tending sheep. I grew up on a farm. It doesn't take a lot of brain power to tend sheep. You just kind of follow along. Bah, bah. They just kind of go and they do their thing and you follow after and you just kind of lead them along a little bit. But there was Moses raised as a prince, but living in the bottom, living at the, the farthest place imaginable. The desert has a, had a purpose in Moses' life though. The purpose of the desert in Moses' life was to remove Egypt out of the heart of Moses. So you can be geographically removed from Egypt, but Egypt needs to be removed from your heart. Because Moses had been raised in the culture of Egypt, but it took the fire of the Holy Spirit to remove Egypt out of Moses. Does that make sense? So here we are, now we're talking about, let's talk about ourselves. Let's talk about the believer. So when we were raised in the world, no matter whether you were on the low end of the totem pole or the high end of the totem pole, it doesn't matter, you were still raised in Egypt. And Egypt affects our very hearts it affects our very ins it affects everything about us it affects our identity the world affects everything about how we think everything about how we live but when we come into the kingdom of god we need something we need something to transform us we need really two things we need the desert and we need the fire because the desert and the fire is what will transform your life the desert and the fire is what will burn egypt out of the inside of you and every one of us need an encounter with the fire, not just once, not just twice, but we need an encounter with the fire on a daily basis. We need to have that fire, that purifying fire, santo, that purifying fire come in and refine and burn inside of us because there are things in us that need to die, that need to burn up, that need to be changed, that need to be transformed. I was preaching in Ciudad Juarez, and at that time Ciudad Juarez was the most dangerous city in Mexico. And so that was like maybe six or seven years ago. We were preaching in that city. We were doing a campagna uh, crusade in uh, like an evangelistic crusade in a boxing, a boxing arena. And so we had the stage and everything there. We were preaching. It was mostly children at this event. And so this one man comes up to me, and he was all covered in tattoos, a very dark, very evil-looking man. And he was drunk out of his mind, and he said to me, he said, well, white man, he said, I, he said uh, pray for me. What up for me? So I said, yeah, okay, I'll pray for you. 
So I put my hand on his head, and he was just standing there like that. And I took him away from the kids a little bit because he just he looked evil. And I very rarely say someone just looked evil. That man really looked evil. So I laid hands on his head, and as I put my hand on his head, he screamed. He said, your hand is on fire. Your hand is hot. And I said, good. So I grabbed him at that point, and then he's screaming because he's like, ah, it's, it was burning. It was actually physically physically burning his head. And so he was actually trying to get away, and he was, he was fighting and screaming. And at that point, he began to weep, and he said, I don't want to be in Spanish. He said, I don't want to be a sicario. I don't want to be an assassin anymore. He said, I'm tired of killing people. And his tears are streaming out of his face. And he's like, I don't want to kill people anymore. I don't want to do what I used to do. I don't want to be a sicario anymore. I don't want to kill people anymore. I looked at him. I said, Jesus can set you free. And at that point, he just lowered his head. And tears were just streaming down his eyes. And then the demons took control. And the demons took control. And he looked up at me. And his eyes had turned dark. It turned almost like a black color. And he looked at me. And he screamed, no, no. And he reached into his pocket to grab a, grab a knife or something, whatever he had on him. And if you want to hear the rest of the story, come back on Sunday. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, so I'm obviously still here. So, you know, so he reached in his pocket to grab, grab something. And at that point, you know, it just, you know, the, the Holy Spirit just hit him and boom, he flew back like that. You know, these manifestations and sometimes some things like that can be incredibly practical sometimes, you know, <laughs> because he was about to stab me. So the Lord just went boom. Down he went, and he stuck to the ground. And he stuck to the ground screaming profanities in Spanish and trying his very best to get to whatever he had in his pocket. And he was trying to punch me like that. And like, like his, his arms were stuck, and there was angels actually holding him down. And he couldn't see him, and no one else could. So he, he was freaking out, obviously. And he's screaming. Now, here's this assassin that's used to being the one in control, obviously. And he's trying to his very best to, to punch me and to grab the stuff in his pockets, and he's stuck like that. And he's screaming. He said, you put the devil on me. You put the devil on me. I said, no, you came here full of the devil, and we're going to take him out of you. And so we, right there, we cast all the demons out of him. And at that point, he sits up, and he looked at us, and he's like, uh, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to receive Christ. So in that moment, he received Christ, and God completely transformed his life. Come on. Is it okay if I tell some more stories? We have another one of our another one of our team. He's an amazing, actually, he's an amazing man of God now. Uh, but back in the day, he used to control the drug traffic for an entire region of the the U.S. Mexico border. And so this is I want to share the story of how he encountered Jesus. And uh, he he actually he his wife he was so good at what he did. Even his own family didn't know who he was. And so he had been uh, for years controlling the drug trade, and he was one of the main, main kingpins in a certain one of the cartels, and he was controlling things in a whole region. And uh, at one point, his his uh, his wife discovered what he was doing and discovered everything that he was everything he was involved with. It was not just drug trafficking; it was human trafficking. It was everything, and she was just absolutely horrified that her husband was involved in this. And so she actually went, she committed suicide. It was a very sad story. She committed suicide. And so he, uh, was, he was just completely shocked at what had happened. He'd lost his wife. He, he dearly loved his wife. He was a very mixed up person, but he really loved his, his wife. He loved his family. And so he was there at her funeral. 
And at her funeral, he was standing over the body and her sisters and all of their family and all of his children. He's got, you know, like 14 children by all sorts of different people. And uh, so he, they were all there. And everyone was blaming him and saying, this is your fault. This is your fault. You've done this. And he was obviously, he was recognizing it was his fault. He knew it was his fault. And he's looking at his wife's body. And he's just standing there and he's, tears are just streaming down his face. And he's like, this is my fault. I just deserve to die. I'm no good. And he feels this sharp pain in his chest and everything goes black. And he thinks in that moment, okay, I must be having a heart attack or God must have struck me dead. He was a Catholic, so he, but he, know, he didn't know anything that he was doing was wrong. He'd never read the Bible, knew nothing about anything really. Just, he just was culturally a Catholic, culturally a Christian. And so felt this pain in his chest. Everything goes black, then everything goes white. And he's thinking, okay, I'm dead. I'm dying. God must be striking me dead. And then all of a sudden he looked over to the right and here comes a man on a white horse. And the man on a white horse is dressed in long white robes and he describes, he went on to describe an exact picture of Jesus out of Revelation. He'd never read the Bible. He didn't know what the, 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 the picture, the vision of Jesus on a white horse, robe dipped in blood, the sword, and the, the, he didn't know any of that. But he sees that man ride up on a horse and he basically says, who, who are you? And uh, the man on the horse says, you have tried your whole life to pay for your sins, but do you not know that I have paid for your sins for you? I am Jesus Christ. And he gave, and the man in that moment gave his heart to, gave his heart to the Lord because he encountered the risen Jesus. Hey, there's something about it that we need to encounter the risen Jesus. That man is a pastor now. And now he's one of the, he's one of the leaders of the revival in Mexico. Because of what God did in his life. So wherever you were at, whatever place God is finding you at now, that is the place where he wants to encounter you with the fire of the Holy Spirit. God had his hand on Moses, and the hand of God on Moses led him out of Egypt and led him into the desert. In Egypt, there's a lot of distractions. In the world, there's a lot of distractions. In the desert, all of a sudden, there's not any distractions anymore. And the desert is the place where God finally says to you, stop, listen to me, pay attention to me. There's nothing, there was nothing else for Moses to do to sheep. Maybe some of you feel like you're in that place in your life where you're like, God, I had all these dreams, I had all these aspirations, I had all these things I wanted to do, where, but now I'm just stuck. Maybe you're just in the desert. Hey, maybe you're just in a place where God is trying to get your attention, where you're recognizing that you're in the backside of the desert, that there's no microphone in your, in your hand, there's no pulpit that you're preaching behind, but you're just in a place where God wants to speak to you. Wherever you're at now, this is the place where God desires to encounter you. So Moses was there in the backside of the desert, and he sees a special sign. A bush that was on fire but didn't burn up. See, I, I love that, that the Bible is so specific because it talks about the bush was on fire, but it did not burn up. It was not destroyed. It was not consumed. And that is the representation of what the fire of the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Because it comes upon us and it consumes everything in us that needs to be consumed that is not of God, that was not born of above. And that fire will consume, it will renew, but it will not destroy your life. It will actually give you new life. 
The fire of the Holy Spirit on the believer is what draws people to us. The fire of the Holy Spirit on the believer, when God ignites you with His fire, hey, when God ignites you with His fire, people will begin to be drawn to you. In our city, there was someone that came up to me one time, and I was in the immigration office. We were getting visas, and this man came up to me, and he said, uh, he said, I, I, I've been watching you. Of course, I stood back like that. I go, what do you, what do you, I mean, I'm like, okay, bring it. What do you, what have you, why have you been watching me? And he said, no, 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 no. He said, I work here in this office. I was just standing outside of the office, and he just comes up, and he goes, I've been watching you. That was his greeting. It was, you don't do that where, where we live. I'm like, just look at him up and down. I'm like, just assessing him. And he said, no, 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 I, I work here. It's okay. I just, I, but I want to tell you, I've been seeing you come here all these years. And he said, I didn't know why, but he said, you and all the people you bring, you have this light. And he said, it's almost sometimes difficult to look on y'all's faces because there's this light all around you and there's, there's this fire on you. And he said, I don't even know what that is. And he said, I always said to myself, one of these days when these people come back, I'm going to ask them why they're on fire. <coughs> and he literally saw us on fire. Hey, <laughs> come on. How many of you want to burn tonight? Ha. Huh. And so I went on to explain the gospel and I told him about what Jesus does in our hearts. <clears throat> there was another meeting I was in in El Paso. And this young girl came, comes up and she was straight out of the occult background, straight out of occultism. And <clears throat> the whole night she was just back there watching like that. And then, so I'm just going through praying for everybody. And she stayed way in the back. And so finally, I mean, of course, naturally, she just highlighted to me. So I went straight back to her and I started talking with her. And she said, I've just been watching you because she said, I saw fire on your head. And he said that she's like, there was light all around you. She said, I've never seen that except when I came to this Christian church. Now I see in this Christian church, there are believers. <coughs> and there, there's light and there's fire on them. Hey, and she said, I just have been standing back there. He said, she, I've been afraid of it, but I want to know what is the light? What is the fire? Hey, so Moses, out of curiosity, turns aside from the task at hand, which was taking care of the sheep. And he turns and he sees this curious sight. And he said, you know, I'm going to go over here and find out why this bush is on fire, but it's not being destroyed. Signs and wonders serve a purpose. Signs and wonders, the purpose of signs and wonders are so that people will turn and see. They will turn from the path they're on and they will see. You know, it's interesting. God didn't just come down and just, boom, slap Moses over the head and say, Moses, pay attention to me. No, it wasn't like that at all because God, Moses had to choose. He had to choose to step off of the path that he was currently on and step onto a new path which led him to encounter the fire of the Holy Spirit which eventually led him into his destiny. Many people are thinking, okay, God, you know, whenever you want to give me my calling, whenever you want to do something in my life, I, here I am, but they're still walking on the same path. And that same path, it was not a path of holiness. Only the path of holiness is what will lead us to have true, deep encounters with the Holy Spirit. You cannot continue walking on the path of the world, walking the way of Egypt, and expect to encounter your destiny in that path. Moses had spent his entire life walking his own path. Spent his life walking the path of Egypt. Then walking the path of a shepherd. But then when Moses went into that place, he had an opportunity finally for the first time in his life to turn aside from the path that he was on and turn and see this curious sight. It's interesting because it was curiosity that first led him to encounter the Holy Spirit. 
You know, we, we look at all the things that happen in the re renewals and revivals and things like that. I remember the first time I came in and I saw a revival happening. It was a, at a Baptist church in, in uh, Abilene, Texas. And in this, there was a revival. Randy Clark was speaking. I don't know if any of you know who he is, but Randy Clark was speaking, a revivalist. And uh, so I, I went to this church. I didn't know anything about revival. I was a Baptist that spoke in tongues because I got baptized in the Holy Spirit in Africa. But I'd never seen revival. I'd never seen the signs and wonders and things like that. And so this was, this was some years back. So there were, I heard about a revival happening at this Baptist church. This guy named Randy Clark. Actually, someone told me it was Bill Johnson. I didn't know who either of them were. But uh, for the longest time, I thought Randy Clark was Bill Johnson. I didn't, know who, I didn't know who anybody was. And so I came into this big church. I thought, okay, it's Baptist. That should be safe. I was at a, going to a Baptist Bible college at that time. And I thought, well, you know, okay, Baptist, Baptist church, it should be safe. And it's like 4,000 people. I'm like, I, <coughs> sorry. I can hide in the back a little bit. should be all right. And uh, excuse me. So I stood in the back and I thought, okay, I should be safe. Like 4,000-something people in this auditorium. I'll be all right. So I stood up kind of in the balcony area. And uh, he, they came out and they began to minister. And as they were ministering, there were people shaking and falling down and laughing. <coughs> and a lot of them, a lot of people. And I'm looking around and people next to me were shaking and laughing and falling down and things like that. I'm looking around going, these people have demons. I just knew it. I'm like, these people have devils. So I'm as far back as I could possibly get, and it's like bleacher-style seating. So I couldn't escape because there were people, someone shaking over here, someone shaking over here. They blocked me in. <coughs> and I thought, I, and I couldn't find, I di it didn't look very dignified to go climbing over. I thought if I start climbing and jumping over, you know, the, the rows of seating, this is going to look funny. And so I'm standing over there, and I'm looking around going, these crazy people have demons. This, uh, only demons make people shake. Only demons make people do things like that. This, this can't be God. This can't be God. And then all of a sudden, my hand starts doing that. <laughs> Completely against my will. You know, it was, I did not want it to happen. And I looked down, I went, oh, no. I got one, too. <laughs> and then my other hand starts to shake. And I went, Lord, I got a demon. I got one as I came in here. And I started, I started crying out to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, did I come in here with it? Did I get it How, here? What happened? And I'm shaking, and all of a sudden, my whole body is doing that. And I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me, and he said, he said, this is not a demon, this is me. And I said, well, then what are you doing? <laughs> Sometimes that's a good question to ask. When all these things start happening in your body, when all these things start happening, hey, you start saying, God, okay, if it's you, what are you doing? That's the best thing to do when a revival happens. It's the best thing to do when things happen that you don't understand. Turn and look and say, wow, what does this mean? And the Lord spoke to me and He said, I want to shake every bit of the religion and fear of man out of your life. Hey. And so I said, okay, God, whatever you want to do. And at that point, Randy Clark was calling. If you're manifesting the power of God, I want you to come here to the front. And I'm like, oh, man. And, 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 you know, it's the, his, the sense of humor of the Lord is hilarious. Because he'll, I was hiding in the back, and that meant I had to shake and crawl all the way to the, the altar. So I go, and I came there with all of my, the friends from my, our college ministry, and they're watching all this happen. It didn't happen to any of them, but it hit me. 
oh, we had an interesting car ride home because I shipped for two weeks. And so I can, you should have, I mean, I'm going into class, I'm sitting there like that. People were wondering if I was like getting Tourette's or something. And then I'm just sitting there, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't stop shaking for like two weeks. And I'd try to control it and all of a sudden just, it just happened like that. And I, and finally, but that night, I'm literally crawling to the altar. It's like, that fire of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes He just wants to get a hold of you. So if there's a manifestation happening around you, if there's something that he's doing, ask him, God, what do you want to say to me in this? Because maybe he wants to shake you so that he can get your attention. Sometimes I think a trap that we can fall into in a, as a revival culture, as, as a, people that believe in this and have experienced this, is to become familiar with it to the point where we stop asking the questions and we stop letting his very presence transform us. It's not the manifestation that transformed us. It wasn't the physical fire on a physical bush that changed the life of Moses. It was meeting the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that changed the heart of Moses. So Moses, out of curiosity, first he turned aside. He left the path he was on and he stepped aside. And as he stepped closer, it said, and the angel of the Lord saw that Moses had pulled aside. And he called out to him, and he called out to him and said, Moses! Moses, God knows you by name. You know, Moses had basically been brought into this world as an orphan. Yeah, he had parents. He had a mother and a father. But they basically had to give him up. And, and for his own safety, they had, and because of love for him, they had to hand him over to pagans to raise. Can you imagine, though, I, that that would have affected the heart of a young man? Moses, even though he had a family, he was basically raised as an orphan. He was a man caught between two cultures. He was a man caught between two identities. He was a man caught between two religions. Moses didn't know who he was. Moses did not value who he was because Moses didn't understand who he was. He didn't understand who he was made to be. Moses had lost his true identity in all the years of e in Egypt. And God spoke to Moses and He said, Moses, Moses, God wants to call you out by name. Last August, I was in a certain country. I can't say which one, but I was in a certain country. And I was doing a meeting. We had people from about six different nations in that, in that meeting. It was workers from different nations. And so I'm just, I'm about to minister. And so I just get up and just, just like tonight, I just said, hey, everybody, let's pray in tongues. And so I did, we just prayed in tongues. And as I was praying in tongues, uh, this one girl gets real excited and just starts screaming and dancing. I thought, okay, that's fun. And so it goes on. And at the end of the time, I'm just praying in tongues. He didn't know what I was saying, just praying. <coughs> and at the end of that time, this other young lady comes running up from the back. She had been actually outside of the small room where we were all meeting. She'd been outside of there. And she comes running in and just screaming and crying and just throws herself down uh, on the ground. And so I just pray for her. And then I continue on ministering and didn't think anything of it. And so she spent a couple hours on the ground. And after she gets up, she comes to me along with the dancing girl as well. They both came to me and they asked me, they said, where did you learn to speak Hebrew? And I told them, I said, I, I do not speak Hebrew. I don't speak any Hebrew. I said, I speak several languages, but Hebrew is not one of my languages. I've never, never spent really any significant time in, in Israel. I don't, I don't speak Hebrew at all. And they said, well, uh, do you want to know what you said in Hebrew? 
And I said, sure, because you know, when someone says that, you're always a little bit like, oh gosh, oh no. <laughs> I know that I believe in you know in, in everything. I'm like, but Lord, I hope I didn't say anything. <laughs> I'm like, oh Jesus, help me. And so she said, do you want to know what he said? First girl said, she said, I'm Palestinian, and she said, you need to know what you prophesied. She said, you were prophesying, saying to me in Hebrew, blessed be the name of the Lord Yeshua. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And she said, you, and she went on into this prophecy that I I prophesied over the whole group of them. And she said, but because I'm Palestinian, I've grown up in Israel all my life. I speak Hebrew. I understood everything you were saying. And the other girl, she said, do you want to know what you told me? And I said, sure. And she said, I was standing in the back. She said, you need to know my story. She said, I was raised as a very in a very conservative, religious, orthodox household. And she said, I encountered Jesus, and my family tried to kill me. They tried to, they, they broke my bones, they put, forced me into a marriage, everything like that. It was a very, very challenging, horrible story, actually. And uh, so she went through very difficult persecution and actually had to flee her country, could no longer live in her nation anymore, and had to live outside, and was living actually with Gentiles. And so there, there she was, and so she said, I was just so burned out, I was so tired. She said, I was just wondering whether God really even knew who I was anymore. <laughs> And she said, and all of a sudden, I heard you speaking in perfect Hebrew, calling me out and saying, calling me by my given name. Not by the name I use now. She said, I use a different name now. But she said, my given name was this. And she told me her given name. And she said, all of a sudden, she said, I heard you speaking in Hebrew. And you were calling me out and you were saying to me by my given name. You were saying, she said, three times come because your father is wanting to, your father wants to speak to you. Something like that. But it was by her name. I'd never met that girl before in my life. That was my first day ever in that. Well, it was my first day with that group of people. And I never met her, didn't know anything about her. And so she, she says, this is what. And so anyway, God healed her heart in that place. Sometimes we just need to remember, we need to have a, a recognition of the fact that he actually knows us by name. So here's Moses and God speaks to him out of a burning bush. The detail and the care of God is so amazing because God speaks to Moses and He doesn't just say, hey, you. In the, in, the, in the church, we're bad about that. We say, brother, sister, you know, and that really is just a way of saying, I've forgotten your first name. <laughs> but God is not like that. God speaks to us and He says to us, calls us by our name. He calls us by our name and He speaks to us and He calls us out. I'm guilty. I'm the one that's the worst on that. You know, someone will ask me, what's someone's name? I'll be like, brother, what's that, what's that lady's name? Sister, so-and-so. What's that? Pastor, that's the first name. No. But Jesus, he calls Moses by name. And I say I said Jesus intentionally because it, most of the time where the, it says the angel of the Lord, it's actually most scholars believe it's talking about Jesus himself. So when Jesus calls to Moses, and He said to Moses, He called him out and He said, Moses, Moses. He was speaking to Moses, and in the, the subtleties of the, of the biblical, the original Hebrew, God is reminding Moses that He knows who He is. That He hasn't forgotten Him. Sometimes we can believe, we can believe a lie. Maybe we outwardly we say the right things, we say we believe the right things, but it's very easy to step into a place, to get into a place in our lives where we don't really know whether God even knows our name anymore. Where we look and we, we say, does God really know me? Does He really know my heart? 
It had been probably Moses had never even probably really learned to pray to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He didn't really, had a very vague understanding probably of who that God really was. But out of the fire, out of the bush, God speaks to him and He says to him, He calls him by his name. He calls him out and He said, Moses, Moses. And then Moses says to him, He says, here I am. You know, God is wanting an accurate, honest answer of where you're at. And it's okay to be honest with Him where you're at. Sometimes we come into church, we come in to other places where there's believers and everyone wants to have it all together. Everyone puts on the face of saying, oh yeah, praise God, it's going amazing, it's wonderful. But I'm going to tell you, sometimes it's not all going amazing. Sometimes it's not all wonderful. Sometimes you go through betrayals. You go through uh, difficult things. The situations of life happen. And it's not all wonderful. It's not all warm, fuzzy feelings. What do you do? God wants to know. He wants to call you out by name. But then He wants you to begin to be honest with Him. Honesty with God on where you're actually at in that moment right here, right now, is the thing that will then open you up to receive more of Him. Transparency with God. Where you say, God, this is what I'm at. This is, this is the condition of my heart is what opens us up to receive a greater revelation of who He really is. When we reveal who we are in that moment, where we're at with Him, in that moment, He will reveal more of who He is with us. It's like the story of the Samaritan woman. That story, that it's one of the most amazing stories in the New Testament. Jesus is going and He hardly revealed Himself to anybody. Hardly, even most of His own disciples didn't truly understand the, the, the fullness of who He was as the Messiah. He didn't reveal these, these things with many people at all. Didn't reveal it to the Pharisees, the scribes, anybody. But this Samaritan woman, a sinful woman, multiple divorces, a string of bad marriages, was living with somebody that she wasn't even married to. Every possible thing that could disqualify her. What was the one thing that made that woman someone that Jesus could reveal Himself to? She looked. She told Him and she was honest with Him. She opened up her heart. She opened up her heart to Jesus. And then Jesus stepped in. It's interesting, He asked her, He gave her an opportunity to leave. She was there in the middle of the day by herself. No one else would have been there. It was the heat of the day. In the desert, you don't go to the well in the heat of the day. You go in the, in the, in the morning or late in the evening. She was there by herself. She didn't carry anything for her life because you didn't, you know, a, woman, a single woman did not go to the well by herself alone if she valued her life. She so devalued herself that she was there not even caring whether she lived or died. And there she met Jesus. And in that place, Jesus speaks to her and He tells her, He said, okay, woman, go get your husband and I'll tell you more. Jesus knew very well she was an adulterer that didn't have, was, was living with someone that wasn't even her husband. And then she looks at Him and she says, you know, Jesus, I'm not really married. I don't have a husband. Because she was presenting to the entire community she was married. And then to Jesus, she, she, she opens her heart and she says, I'm not really married. I don't have a husband. And then Jesus speaks and he, he enters in and He begins to speak truth into her life. And you begin to see her being transformed in that whole dialogue and where, where all of a sudden at the end, He reveals to her that she, He is the Messiah. Something He didn't reveal to anyone else, but that Samaritan woman receives the revelation of who Jesus really was. But what made it happen in her life? She decided to be honest with God and she said to Jesus, this is where I'm really at. It's interesting what Moses said. Here I am. Here I am. 
See, God wants to know where you're at, and He wants an honest answer from you. He, he already knows, so there's no point in lying to Him. If He already knows everything, there's no point in lying to Him and telling Him you're something you're not. He can see perfectly through your mask. But when the moment you take off the mask, the moment you take off the mask, maybe it's a mask of, of religiosity. Sometimes sin and many bad things hide behind a mask of religiosity. And the problem with that is it's impossible to clean as long as the mask is there. But when we take off the mask, then the Holy Spirit can come in and begin to bring a transformation and begin to bring a cleanliness and a holiness into our hearts. For too long, holiness has been taught as dress like this, look like this, act like this. That's holy. You'll be holy if you just behave better. Vote this way. Do this sort of thing. You know? It's not holiness. What is true holiness? Unveiled faces. What is true holiness? A fire that burns not just on the outside as the anointing, but also on the inside as the infilling. What is true holiness? True holiness is able, being able to look at Him face to face. Not saying you never sin. That's not true holiness. No one, none of us on this side of heaven will be, reach a place where we never, ever, ever sin. But we can reach a place of holiness. And that is in the place where we take off the mask and the moment we sin, we say, God, burn it up. Kill it because it's something in me that doesn't need to be there anymore. True holiness is looking at Him face to face, encountering Him as He really is. Hey, and that true holiness of the fire of the Holy Spirit is what will transform your heart. But it only happens when we are honest and open and we lift up the veil. We lift up the mask. We get rid of the mask and we look at Him and we see Him as He really is. And He sees us as we really are. God spoke to Moses and He said, where are you? It's like just what He spoke to Adam and Eve in the garden. When they sinned, He said, where are you? Where are you? He knew where they were. He needed them to recognize also where they were. Because unless you recognize your need of a Savior, you can't then understand fully who the Savior is. In America, the problem is that we have been inoculated and inundated oftentimes with an understanding that we have a Savior, but without the, un without the understanding that we need to then receive that same Savior and recognize that we need that Savior. And without that Savior, we can do nothing. That's the gospel that needs to be preached in America. People say, you know, I want to go overseas to preach the gospel. I'm telling you, we need to raise up many people to preach the gospel in this United States of America. I didn't. I was one of the ones who said I would never, ever do ministry in the U.S. I'm like, I'm called to the nations. And then the Lord began to speak to us when we moved to Mexico and said, are you willing to plant churches in the United States? And I, I started rebuking the devil. I'm like, no! No, there's too many people working there. We're all bumping into each other. Let other people do that. But there's a need in the United States of preaching the true gospel. We need people to rise up, believers in the body of Christ, to rise up with the power of the Holy Spirit to allow Jesus to set them on fire. And when He sets you on fire, people will be drawn to you and that fire will begin to be contagious and get off on them. There was nothing special about that bush it was just a bush what made that bush special was what was on that bush and what was in that bush Moses said to God here I am and then God speaks to Moses and he says Moses take off your shoes because the place where you're standing is holy ground 
Huh. So Moses takes off his shoes. That's a very interesting thing. In the Old Testament culture, and even to this day, the culture of the, the Middle East, the bottom of the foot is the most dirty part of the body. It represents everything, everything sinful in a, in a human being, in human nature, because it's what you walk through. It's, the, it's what you use to walk on dirty things. Does that make sense? So in the, in the Hebrew understanding, the, the, the bottom of the foot was what you, it's what steps, it's what contacts so many dirty, filthy things. But when you take off your shoes, you are stepping off, you're stepping and you're leaving those things behind. Because where he was being called was a place where he could not carry the dust of Egypt into. And it was a place that he could not carry the things from the life of a shepherd. Because how many of you know if you're a shepherd, you follow after the sheep? You walk through some stuff. I'm not going to go into any details, but you walk through stuff, life, dirty things that you step into, that you walk through. Moses said, God said to Moses, take off your shoes because the place where you're standing is holy ground. It's interesting. What made the place where Moses was standing holier ground than where he was standing six feet back? What made that ground holy and that ground ordinary? God was touching it. What God touches becomes holy. What God's fire falls upon, what God's fire comes upon, becomes holy. If you want to be holy, you need the fire. If you want to be holy, you need the burning of the fire. And I'm not meaning you have to flop around and manifest. Maybe you're someone that doesn't manifest and you're wondering, oh, why don't, why don't I get the fire? Why don't I have the fire? It doesn't matter the manifestations that happen. The fire is the presence of Jesus in your life. One of the people I know that probably manifests the least is John Arnott. Just stands there like an oak tree. <laughs> but but the, there's no doubt that the fire of the Holy Spirit is on him, obviously. Yeah. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, maybe you're a shaker, a rattler, a roller, whatever it is. <laughs> or maybe you just stand there like an oak. Don't look at someone flopping around, rolling, or doing somersaults and think, oh, I wish I had the fire like them. No, the fire is not what physically manifests in your life. The fire is the person of Jesus. The fire is the person of the Holy Spirit. That when you encounter that fire, it will transform you and it will change everything in your life. The fire, the manifestation of the fire of the Holy Spirit, the true manifestation of that will be a transformed life will be how He takes you off of the path you were on and brings you onto a new path. One of our, one of our men in our church, he's one of our, uh, I guess I could say, leaders in training. He spent the better half of his life in U.S. federal prisons. And then he got deported back to Mexico. And uh, we met him, actually. He knew nothing about the Bible. Knew nothing. Uh, he'd never been in a Christian church at all. I don't think he'd ever even been in a Catholic church. He knew nothing about anything. And uh, he was at, we met him at a refugee center in Mexico, and uh, he'd been deported and everything because he was on false documents in the U.S., and he was in his 60s, but he'd spent almost ha over half his life in U.S. federal prisons, and they sent him back to Mexico. He spent uh, some of his life in Mexico, Mexico prisons, and then we, uh, we finally met him at this refugee center, and he's just this, this old gangster. He comes up to me, and he's like, he's like, Pastor, he said, I don't know nothing about the Bible, but he said, I'll, I'll translate for you if you need help, and back then, I didn't really speak much Spanish, so I said, okay. Come, come help me. So I took him to translate at a service. And I'm preaching a message about the, the fire of the Holy Spirit and the love of God. 
And he's there, he's translating as best he can. He knew no, he never read the Bible before. So he's doing his best and like he's saying in gangster terms, you know, Jesus, you know, and this, he's up there talking like this. And, and it's awesome. He's this old school gangster guy. He's up there just, you know, talking to all the people about Jesus. And uh, how they better get saved. <laughs> and so we're going along and uh, finally I, I get to the end, the altar call, and it was a small church. And he looks at me and he's like, Pastor, can I answer this altar call? I'm like, yes, sir, you can. Go ahead. So he goes back and he turns around and he comes up like that. <laughs> and he, he said, I'm ready. And so I lay hands on him and pray for him and he, he receives Christ and boom, down he goes. He looked at me after he got up off the ground. He was stuck on the ground like that. And he, after a while he gets up, he looks around and he's like, how did I get down here? <laughs> he had no idea. He'd never encountered anything like that. And so for the longest time, he would like, when pr prayer was happening, he would like go to the other side of the room because he, was no, he would know that the second anybody touched him, boom, down he'd go. And he was like, I've never been out of control. He said, I, he's like, I was a gang leader. I was, you know, I've never been out of control. So like the Holy Spirit's moving over here. He'd go hide over here a little bit because be, he had no idea. It was, just, it was just fun. He had no idea. But that man, one day he came to me and he, we, we started bringing him into our home. He, uh, you know, he, he would come. He actually now lives at our church. He helps run. He's the groundskeeper. He's the, he's the security guard. And one time he came up to me. And I asked him to be the security guard of the church. And he comes up to me. He's like, Pastor. He said, Why on earth do you trust me? He said, I am a professional thief. <laughs> and he said, And you put me in charge of security. He said, And, and I, I thought to myself, I'm like. Yeah, and the natural, that doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? But uh, and I'm like, well, you know, two reasons. I said, number one, you, you understand thieves because you used to be one, so you can stop them. And number two, I said, I recognize who you are. And I said, now you're in our family. And then because you're in our family, I can trust you. His tears start streaming down his face. He looks around, he's like, Pastor, I ain't never had no family. I never had no family. And he said, I don't know. He, he, he said, I've never experienced family. That's the gospel. The orphans find family. The orphans find a father. See, Moses, even though he, had, he was raised in the lap of luxury, on the inside of Moses' heart, he never really had a family. He never really had the love of a father. But when God speaks to Moses in that burning bush, calls him out by name, Moses says, here I am, here's where I'm at. God then says to Moses, take off your shoes, because the place where you're standing is holy ground. Why did Moses have to take off his shoes? Because he needed to let go of everything he had walked through before so that he could step into a new path and a new season and a new way of living. You cannot walk the path of God with the shoes of Egypt. You cannot walk the path of God even with the shoes of, the shep of a shepherd. You've got to walk the path of God with nothing between you and Him. Walking in freedom, walking in liberty, took, takes those shoes off. That represents the, art, the, the act of sanctification. Sanctification is, happens every time we grow closer to Jesus. Things burn. Things die in our lives. You know, oftentimes people, huh, oh, if you are having encounters with Jesus, but nothing is really changing in your life, then maybe you need to ask, am I really encountering Jesus? Because when you encounter the true Jesus as He really is, things burn, things die, things happen. Hey, things get set on fire, things get transformed when we encounter Jesus as He really is. 
when we encounter Him as He is, it burns the dust of Egypt right off of us. It burns the sin right out of our hearts. It burns the desire to sin out of our hearts. You want to know the way to conquer the desire for sin? Spend time in the presence of Jesus. Oftentimes we concentrate on don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, or do this, do this, do this. That's, not, that's never helped anyone defeat sin. Yeah, there are practical things everyone needs to do. We need to have accountability. All those things are very important. But what really defeats the sin nature? It is the blood of Jesus. What really defeats the sin nature? It is Jesus Himself. It is that fire of the Holy Spirit. Hey, that burns in us and burns the past right away from us. Oftentimes, we need to let go of our mistakes as well. Moses had made some mistakes, and because of his mistakes, he walked in something we call shame. And that shame had, cut, had followed Moses all of his life. Moses didn't really, in some ways, I think Moses had a very low self-esteem of himself at times because he would try to get other people to speak for him. When God would tell him to do something, he'd say, well, use Aaron, use this person, or use this person. But God, Moses didn't really completely understand fully who he was. But Moses had some shame of what he had done in his life. Yeah, I'm going to tell you something. God wants us to let go of our shame. Let go of the things that had once held us back. I'm not sure if this happened while you guys were in Mexico or not. Uh, with one of the team, while one of the teams were there. But there was this woman with a cataract. Was that y'all? Was that okay? I thought that was with y'all. So well, you, some of you have heard the story, but for those of you who haven't, I'll tell it again. There was a woman who uh, had a cataract. And uh, would you remember which eye? Right or left? The right eye? Okay. So yeah, her right eye, she had a cataract, and she had it for, for, for some years, I believe, right? Some years? Yeah. About 20 years. Okay, so some years. <laughs> and so this woman had this cataract in her eye, and uh, so she... She had had this for, for years, and so they were praying for her, the, the team, and I remember some of our missionaries were praying for her, and uh, a lot of people were being healed of blindness and other, other issues, and so we knew God was really moving in that, that night, but for some reason, she didn't get healed, and so they, they asked her, they said, you know what, um, you know, what's, do you have anyone you need to forgive? And she said, yeah, I need to forgive myself. She went on to confess that she'd had an abortion. When she was younger, and that abortion, she'd carried the shame for that all of her life. She hated herself. She was angry at herself because of that. And because of that, that shame that she carried, she had been, she'd not ever really been able to truly forgive herself. And because of that, she'd never been able to let go of that sin, let go of that thing that she'd done in the past. So anyway, long story short, they led her in a prayer to forgive herself. And when she forgave herself, she began to just to weep, and they were ministering to her, and all of a sudden, this white liquid starts coming out of her eye and dribbling down her face. Am I telling the story right? It was black? Black smudge came right down her cheek, and all of a sudden her eye was completely healed, and that cataract had liquefied. Come on. It's so much fun telling the story where there were witnesses. It's like, yeah, come on, Jesus. And so the, the, this cataract just completely disappeared, but it happened in the moment. Where she took off her shoes. She took off what she had walked through in the past, who she used to be, what she carried into her relationship with Christ. She let it go. And in that point, she received the healing of God. And that God began to truly transform and heal. And that cataract that had been in her all those years, God just, boom, removed like that. Hey, sometimes we need to take off our shoes 
and step onto the holy ground. What God touches becomes holy. If He can touch ground and make ground holy, He can touch you and make you holy. Hey, so then God speaks to him and He says, Moreover, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And those three figures are very significant in the Bible. Abraham was the man that God made the covenant with. The man that God made the... Okay, all right, good to know. What, what time is it now? 9.20. Oh, Jesus, help us. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I, I forget. We're, we're, I get carried away. G- Abraham was the one that God made. The- I'm going to close with this. That's <laughs> how you can tell a preacher's lying. I'm going to close with this. <laughs> Abraham was the one that God made a covenant with, made a promise to. So what was God saying to Moses in that moment? Moses, I'm the God of your promise. Whether you recognize it now or not, I'm the God of your promise. The God of Isaac. Isaac was the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham. And his name actually means joy. So what was God saying to Moses in that moment? He was saying, Moses, he said, I am the God who makes a promise and who fulfills my promise and who brings and gives joy, restores joy again. Then he said, I'm the God of Jacob. I've always wondered, what was, why was Jacob, how did Jacob make it into that, that group of three? Jacob was a mess. Jacob was all, his very name means one who grabs the heel. I'm like, that's, why on earth would he end up in there? But let me tell you, God is the God of the new beginnings. Because I was asking God, I said, why did Jacob go in there? He said, because I wanted to speak to Moses and tell him that if I could do it for Jacob, I could do it for him. That he is the God of the new beginning. So I'm going to tell you tonight, God is calling you. His fire is calling you. You need to step into the fire of the Holy Spirit and you need to encounter Him as He really is. But in order to do that, you need to reveal who you really are to Him. And then let Him burn that away. Let Him burn everything that stands in the way. Let Him remove it. So that then He can make you holy as He is holy. So that He can be the God who makes you a promise and who fulfills His promise, and who gives you a new beginning. I want to ask everyone to stand to your feet, and I want to bless you. I know we have child care ending as I've been informed. So I want to pray for you guys. And then I want to add, we're going to do an altar call. And if you want to receive the fire of the Holy Spirit, come tonight. But I want to just do a general prayer, general blessing. Just lift up your hands to the Lord. Holy show. Tomorrow night, we're going to have a fire tunnel. We're going to have an uh, impartation. We're going to pray for everybody in the house to receive an impartation, activate giftings. So if you have to dip out with your kids tonight, don't worry. Tomorrow night, we're going to lay hands on everybody. Come on. Jesus, we ask you to pour out your fire in this house tonight. Lord, would you pour out more of your spirit on us tonight? Hey, we are hungry. We are desperate for more of you. Lord, I just pray for each of these ones here. Lord, I pray that they would encounter your fire. Just begin to say to God, God, here I am. This is where I'm at. This is where I'm at, Lord. Lord, would you encounter me? Just say it to him right with your own words. Just say, God, right where I'm at, would you encounter me? I want to know you as you really are. And I reveal my heart to you. Burn away whatever needs to be burned away. And fill me with your fire. In Jesus' name. If you want to receive more of the fire of the Holy Spirit, if you want to have a breakthrough, I just invite you, just come now. 
Come now. The Holy Spirit is here and He wants to bring breakthrough. He wants to pour out His Spirit. He wants to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. I also believe the Lord's going to anoint evangelists tonight. I believe He's going to anoint evangelists tonight. So come with an open heart to burn, to burn. Come on, come on, come on. Stir yourself up. If I get my ushers to be on point. Come on, just pray in the Holy, pray in the Holy Spirit right now. Come on, stir it up. Shaka! 